0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The
1: teachings of the Ascended Masters are universal and available to all.
2: I want to thank you for joining us today. You are tuned to The Open Door, the online voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Sidney Bennett, sitting in for Terry today. Yeah, well, here we are again. I'm glad to see you, Sid. How you doing?
3: Well, it's good to be here. And what's on tap for today?
2: Well, um, for today's show, we're going to zero in once more on probably the most important message we could ever hope to share with all of you listening in. We're talking about your I am presence, the actual, literal, and very real presence of God within you.
3: If you get nothing else from us, Mm -hmm. we hope and pray that you get this, that there's a lot more to you than meets the eye, and that
2: more part is (laughs) God. You know, many of us were raised to believe in a great and fathomless God that somehow exists apart from us, a powerful external God.
3: Yet the truth is that we have a great and fathomless God within us, Mm -hmm. a powerful internal God. Now, many of you have heard the admonition to seek God within, which certainly is good advice.
2: It is. But even the statement to look within for God can be misleading because looking for God still suggests, you know, some degree of separation. Well, what the centered masters teach us and what
3: we're saying in this moment is that there is no real separation between you and God.
2: Yeah, you are actually a spiritual being who is in the process of becoming God, not separate, not apart, but really and truly one with God.
3: And we know that whatever you are one with, Tom, that is what you are. Indeed. Now, of course, we know that we all have a little work to do to put on (laughs) the attributes and manner of God. We just don't suddenly reverse the direction of the sun or walk on the water.
2: (laughs) Probably fortunate that we don't. Indeed. You know, but putting on our God consciousness will require giving up our human density and self-imposed limitations.
3: But just understanding that you have this enormous spiritual potential should set your feet on a whole new course. Uh Uh-huh. Now, does this reality fly in the face of the most current religious orthodoxy? (laughs) Well, we all know the answer to that. It does. And not to put too fine a point on it, in some countries, meaning
2: saying these words can put your life in jeopardy. (laughs) Yeah, and this is both unfortunate and sad because each of us, if we only knew it, is powerful beyond measure. And why? Because not only do we have an I Am Presence, literally an individualized manifestation of God within us, but we also have the choice and power to use the energy of God to create. Wow.
3: How many times have you heard us talking about the fact that each of us is literally a co-creator with God? Oh, a hundred, a 1, thousand. Probably a few more, too. Yeah. You see, because we have God within us, every word, thought, and deed creates, oh. because each requires God's energy to fulfill and manifest.
2: You know, it, it kind of makes you think twice about accountability, doesn't it? Well, it
3: certainly does, because <laughs> you've heard us say, every thought, word, and deed has a consequence. And that can be good or bad. Mm-hmm. What we know is karma.
2: Yeah, and we'll you know, we'll explore more on that a bit in our second half of the program. But a moment ago, we mentioned that the idea of becoming one with the God presence within us and recognizing that in a very real sense, we are co-creators with God can get you killed in some corners of the planet. These are also the very truths that will set you free. Boy, are they ever. Descended
3: masters are here to help us to help free us from the grip of ignorance and limiting to belief. Their agenda is freedom, the
2: ultimate expression of which is our ascension. So, who, he asked rhetorically, could possibly not want us to experience this freedom and not achieve our ascension? So, let me think about
3: that. <laughs> well, Tom, you said it was a rhetorical question. Yeah, yeah. And we already know that the answer is our ancient nemesis, the fallen angels. Those guys. Those who rebelled against God and now seek our separation from the light and ultimate downfall as revenge for being kicked out of heaven.
2: You know, so naturally, they use every tactic they can to keep us in the dark and ignorant of our true identity as co creators with God. They want to keep us believing that we're poor, worthless sinners,
3: which, I guess (laughs) you have to admit, they've done a pretty good job of.
2: Yeah, and they've got a number of powerful, if unwilling, allies who espouse modern religious orthodoxy, particularly in the West. Do you know, Tom,
3: their lies and tricks will not be effective for much longer. Because more and more people are waking up to their true innate reality, Mm. their real oneness and partnership with God.
2: You know, the Ascended Masters have a wonderful and simple saying, one with God is a majority. Now, the truth of that statement, simple though it is, is really, truly profound. And why? Because it reminds us of our heritage and birthright. And it accelerates the clock that's ticking on the fallen one's final exit. Which can't come soon enough. (laughs) No, it can't. That will truly be a great day on earth and in heaven.
3: And, you know, while we're busy ticking off those who insist on maintaining limiting and short-sighted spiritual beliefs, we might as well go all the way and swing for the fences, Tom, oh boy. <laughs> by bringing in another very important part of our spiritual reality into the picture, our holy Christ self.
2: Oh, we are not pulling any punches today,
3: are we? You know, why waste anybody's time? Well, that's true. This may be the most important information available on planet Earth, and we don't want anyone to miss it.
2: You know, and calling it the most important information on Earth is not overstating the case. As we said only a few moments ago, this information is absolutely key to your freedom, to your liberation from the shackles of limiting belief, and to your escape from the density of individual and planetary karma. And we can't do that unless we realize who and what we truly are. Yeah, it's imperative. So not only does each of us have an individualized manifestation of God within our I Am Presence, we've also each got a Holy Christ Self.
3: Which simply means each of us is a son or a daughter of God, and each of us has the very real potential to become the Christ.
2: Oh, boy. If we didn't have a few people <laughs> that sat with us already, we'd probably do now. You know, and the reason for that is pretty simple. We're, we're saying in the simplest and clearest terms is this. The Christhood that Jesus came to demonstrate is the same Christhood that we, too, can achieve. So not only are we co-creators of God and God in becoming, we are also
3: joint heirs with Jesus and the rest of the ascended masters, in becoming Christ and inheriting
2: God's kingdom. Yeah, and we're not talking about equaling Jesus' attainment, by the way, are we? No, indeed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Since we're on a roll here, are there any other sacred cows you feel like tipping over? Why why stop now? (laughs) Let's go. Well, as a matter
3: of fact, there is. (laughs) Oh, no. Now that we've (laughs) checked our beliefs about the I Am Presence and Holy Christ Self within each each of us, doesn't seem only right to discuss the real impact that the choice to abort life has on each soul.
2: There you go. You know, in our view and in the view of the ascended masters, Abortion literally aborts the divine plan of a soul. And each soul returns again and again to the physical plane with the intention of fulfilling its divine plan and finally reuniting with the heart of God. But somehow,
3: this reality of each soul's blueprint and divine plan got derailed along the way when abortion became accepted and legal.
2: You know, and we got to say this it is not up to us to sit in judgment of those who accept or practice abortion. Our point is to help people realize what's really at stake. Souls that are denied opportunity to attain their freedom through their ascension and to achieve their ultimate immortality, by whatever means or methods, are souls in unimaginable pain.
3: And we have to remember, Tom, that each soul is part of a larger scheme. And God chooses the precise moment in history for each of us to arrive and play its part. You know, each soul to arrive and play its part. There's no mistakes about this.
2: No, not at all. And, you know, maybe on that note, let's play a short excerpt from The Story of Your Soul by Elizabeth Clare Prophet. Let's do it.
4: Life's Grand Design Each soul is part of a larger scheme. The Creator chooses the precise moment in history for each soul to come to earth to take part in the divine outplaying of the decades and the centuries. This timetable of the conception and birth of every child is part of God's grand design of life, a design so exact that at the moment of conception, the genes in each tiny embryo are already suited to the specific soul who will inhabit it. Consider how wondrously you were made, how God cared for you personally, how your own father-mother God ordained your conception, your parents, your life, your purpose, and your reason for being. But God was not only thinking of you before you were born, he was already thinking of whose great-great-grandmother and great-great-grandfather you might be. The plan of the mind of God, that great cosmic computer, is so vast that none of us can even begin to comprehend it. So if you have ever felt like an unwanted child, you can let your soul be healed of that burden. For your father-mother loved you in the beginning, has loved you through your life's trials, and will continue to love you all the way home. As each of us makes this journey, we have a mission to fulfill and a unique identity to manifest. God did not create us out of a cosmic cookie cutter and stamp us out to be exactly like Him. Rather each one of us has been endowed with a distinct blueprint which is shared only with our other half, our twin flame. This blueprint is a seed idea from God that urges us to pursue our journey, that pushes us onward and upward, that pushes us to strive. When we are not striving and not working toward lesser and greater goals that lead us to our final destination, our soul is unhappy. That unhappiness may show up as sickness, boredom, or self-deception. It can take the form of moodiness or little irritations and problems with family members or others, things that we don't associate with our soul's dissatisfaction. Yet our soul is impressing upon our outer awareness, you are stifling me, you are not fulfilling the purpose for which I was born, and I will not leave you in comfort. I will make you without comfort until you return to follow the inner plan of life. Our divine plan is waiting for our free will confirmation. If we believe in predestination, we may think we don't have to do anything. It's all going to happen anyway. But in reality, because of the gift of free will, we can choose to implement our divine plan or not. I can remember when all I knew about my divine plan was that I had to do something for God in this life that I had a mission, and I had to find out what it was. And since I didn't know what it was, my mission became finding it out. So each day during my childhood and my schooling, I would try to study and pursue those subjects which, if mastered, would lead me closer to the knowledge of my life's mission. Do you know your mission, your divine plan? One clue is that your mission is often your passion. So you can ask yourself, what are you passionate about? Another clue is that your mission usually involves perfecting the talents that God has placed within your soul. (laughs) Above and beyond all else, the purpose of life, the answer to why am I here, is to find God in yourself, in your talents, in your calling, and in your service to life. It is to endow everything you do with God's Spirit. Endowing everything with God's Spirit is making His Spirit permanent in you. This is the journey of integration back to the kingdom of your Father, Mother, God.
2: Huh, always a good reminder. Now, when we return, we'll hear an interview with Elizabeth Clare Prophet entitled The Divine Blueprint. She answers the question, what is your inner self? Discusses the souls of ultimate destiny and more. Don't go away.
0: The Voice America 7th Wave Channel Seek Greater Awareness
1: On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better. No matter where you are or who you're with, The power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home. And their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org.
0: This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to The
1: Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Welcome back,
2: everyone. I appreciate you staying with us. Um, In the following interview, Elizabeth Clare Prophet discusses the soul, the divine ego, and the concept of original bliss. Our interviewer is Doug Kenyon.
5: The Last time we spoke about the law of the inner self. What is the inner self?
6: The inner self has been revealed to those who have sought that self in many forms, and the forms which the self has taken have determined the course of the world's major religions. Gautama discovered that self to be the Buddha. Jesus discovered that self to be the Christ. But Moses began with the inner realization that for me is the cause behind the effect, the real source. When God appeared to Moses out of the bush that burned but was not consumed, and Moses, receiving his commission to go and speak to the people of Israel and to rescue the children from Egyptian bondage, asked the voice that spoke to him, whom shall I say sent me unto you? And the voice of God spoke and gave the identification that has been, for time immemorial, the source of light to his people. God said, tell them that I am hath sent you unto them. And he gave his name as I am that I am. This was the declaration of being. And upon that declaration of being was the mission of Moses. It was power, it was energy, it was consciousness, it was self-awareness. And the Lord said, and this shall be my name forevermore. This name of God is not simply a name, but it is a word that comes out of that word by which all things were made. It is an energy, and when we say that name, I am that I am, we are confirming that the same God who spoke to Moses stands where we stand. I think that that is the very beginning of the science of the splitting of the atom, the releasing of the energy of molecules of the very nucleus of life, and it is also the beginning of the opening of the inner self of man and woman.
5: I think everybody says, I am, many, many times a day. So, are you saying that they're actually naming, naming God when they say, I am?
6: The verb to be is the first statement of being. And as God is first cause, he is being. Some schools of metaphysics and... Uh, Teachings such as unity, teaching affirmations, have taught that what we affirm in a positive way, like Norman Vincent Peale, we bring into our lives. And what we affirm negatively, we also bring into our lives. And so there are those who have evolved statements beginning with I am. I am well, I am happy, I am whole, and they have cautioned us not to say that I am sick or I am tired or I am unhealthy. So this thought has been glimpsed, and it does work. And what we find is that it works not only because of the power of positive thinking, it works because the very name itself releases the energy of God.
5: What is the element of ego involved in this? I think to many people, it appears that when one says, I am, one is asserting one's ego.
6: Well, it is the divine ego of us all who declares within us, I am. Then we can choose to be that i am we can choose to be one with that divine ego or we can rebel against it and say well i'm going to be what i want to be and uh, we can affirm a separate identity from that inner i am and we can affirm it so long that we eventually lose contact with the inner divine ego and we live the life of the human ego
5: you mentioned eastern religions and the teachings of buddha and you mentioned moses and jesus where is the teaching of the i am found in eastern religions
6: in the east i am that i am is pronounced as the om which is spelled o m or a u m and it is the other side of the i am that i am and this is the difference between east and west in the east the object of religion and of devotion to god is to go within to go into samadhi, to go into nirvana and the going within to the source of energy is reflected in the way of life and the outer conditions, for instance, in India, the major nation of religion in the East are poverty, but the people have a very rich inner life. In the West, we find that the goal of our contact with God is to go within and get the flame and draw it forth for the mastery of the matter plane. And so we find that mastery being expressed in our environment. So the mantra that is used in the East to find God, the going within, is the Om. Once we go within, then it becomes the object of the people of the West to draw forth that energy and therefore... God gave to us the name Om. as I am that I am because it draws forth energy, that is the use of the word. And when the word is repeated as a mantra, I am that I am, I am that I am, it has the effect of drawing forth energy to meet every challenge of our life.
5: Can one use it in a broader sense? Is there more that one can do with it other than simply affirming that I am? I seem to recall that Jesus used the term in many different uh, many different statements and I'm curious exactly what we may conclude from that
6: Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life I am the resurrection and the life he actually gave many affirmations which have been recorded in scripture and many more which were not recorded to his disciples he taught them what we call the science of the spoken word and that science begins with God and it ends with God and it places man in the middle as the one who is the instrument for God becoming God
5: we keep referring to the word and the I am is obviously a reference to the word here and I know there are many references in the scripture to the word being in the beginning with God and I'm anxious to hear more about exactly what the word is and uh, what is the relationship between God and his word. What can we learn from that?
6: Well, beloved John says that in the beginning was the word and without the word was not anything made that was made. We find that the word was made flesh and that is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. So the Word figures as the second person of the Trinity, the Christ, the Son of God. And its function is creation, the bringing forth out of the Father and out of his law that which is manifest for us to behold. Uh, The lack of understanding of the Word before it is made flesh is that darkness and uh, the light that was not comprehended. So with the coming of the son of God we discover the meaning of the word as the Christ consciousness as the very mind of God of which Paul said let that mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus this means that we can all become the incarnation of the word we can all attain to the level of Christ consciousness in fact it is our sole destiny to do so and not only to be aware of the self as God, but to be aware of the self as Father, as Son, and as Holy Spirit, or as the Hindus would phrase it, as Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva.
5: Well, I suppose it's good to say that everybody can become like Christ, but how many have succeeded? Isn't Jesus the only one, and perhaps maybe one or two others?
6: Well, I think that... People have an idolatrous sense of Jesus. They worship their own concept of what Jesus was. He is depicted as the perfect master, and he was indeed the perfect master. But he is depicted in people's minds as someone robot-like, perfected in the flesh so far above everyone else that no matter how well we do in our daily lives, People think that they can never come close to approximating the life of Jesus Christ. And yet the saints have told us that we must imitate Christ. The imitation of Christ, Thomas a. Kempis is a very important Christian work because it tells us that we must try to imitate his life. And Jesus told us, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now many think that it is blasphemy to try to become like christ that there was only one son of god and that no one else can be like him because we are all sinners it is this concept of original sin carried on and on generation after generation that makes people not even try to master the basic principles of life which jesus taught i believe this to be error and to be anti-christ and i believe that it deprives christians jews moslems and the whole world of the very essence of the life which Jesus lived. And that essence is, in Jesus' statement, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. This statement is the promise of the Lord Christ himself that we should try to work with him and work with the Father and to be an imitator of his work. If Jesus is giving us this assignment, then he must know that God has placed within us the resources to fulfill it. Well, what are these resources? The basic resource of life is the spark of cosmic consciousness, which is the flame in the heart, the threefold flame of love, wisdom, and power, which is our focal point of the Trinity. And so I believe that Christianity, as well as Judaism and Islam, have been stripped ...of the very meat of the word because of this making Jesus, Mohammed, Moses and the great prophets... ...an exception to the rule rather than the rule of living for us all. Now I believe it is the hour for the coming of our understanding of God as mother. A mother who takes her children by the hand and teaches them the wisdom and the law of the father. A mother of consolation who explains the role of the Holy Spirit as the great comforter and the great forgiver in life. Our understanding, then, is not of original sin, but of original bliss, as we are born of the Father-Mother God, of Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. As we see our souls coming forth, then, from the Father-Mother God, we realize that it is not the sin of Adam and Eve, But it is the original blueprint of our Maker which endows us with the ability to become joint heirs with Christ, with Moses, with Mohammed, and with Gautama Buddha.
5: Thank you very much. You've certainly opened up a number of subjects which will be the subject of further programs on Inner Perspectives.
2: And that is indeed true, as has been our focus now for two years. Um, Up next, our weekly Q&A. Please don't go away.
0: Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic
1: questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better, no matter where you are or who you're with. The power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home. And their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org.
0: The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. You are listening to The Open
1: Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to
2: The Open Door. And indeed, we are back. And before we get into our usual Q&A, serve and volley, I've got a question for you, our audience, and uh, this kind of dovetails what the announcer was just saying a moment ago. Do you like our show, and would you like to hear your questions read and answered live? If that was a yes, good. Please send your questions, plus any comments or feedback, to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at org. We would love to hear from you. Okay, now we've focused on this show... Um, what we focused on so far, at least, can be summed up this way. God lives within you, and it is vital that you awaken to your own inner divinity. I think this is a real reason each of us is here. Would you agree, Sid? Well, I would. And and the purpose of life is to find
3: God, to realize God within us, the potential to become the Christ. And, and I want to say, you know, if you look in the mirror and you don't see God, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, um, good. You, you, see, you see part of God, at least. Yeah. And we put on our Christhood in increments, So we may be manifesting part of our Christhood already. And the goal, of course, is that become 100% of our being. So we have to displace the human consciousness and replace it with the Christ. But we must begin with the understanding that that is our potential. And, you know, we take seriously the path and the work we must do to be on the path. On the other side of the coin, we also realize that, hey, we are in human form, in human Mm -hmm. embodiment. We'll make mistakes, but the key is that we strive and we work. You know, when I first got on the spiritual path, I envisioned that spirituality was sitting and meditating and, oh, yeah, you me know, too. just withdrawing from the world. Mm-hmm. And you put on your Christhood, you put on your Buddha head through the plane of action. And that coupled with your spiritual devotions, with your prayers, with your decrees, that is how you become the manifestation of God in the flesh.
2: Yeah, indeed. You know, have, In recent programs, in fact, in many of our programs, we've talked about this concept, and as we just said in this one, Being here in embodiment involves the fulfillment of our divine blueprint and recognizing our innate divinity would certainly seem to be central to the fulfillment of that blueprint, wouldn't it? Well, it is. It's the starting point.
3: It's the set of your sail. What do you look at? Is your life to get up and make money, to take care of your family, you know, and so prepare for retirement, you know, da, 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 da? That's one side of it. But another and the most key part is those things that I do in my life, and they may be providing for my family or going to school or whatever, are part of… Of helping me to get to that point of balancing my karma and through testing and through trying, putting on increments of our Christ, increments of our God presence mm-hmm. that we can carry and become one with.
2: Yeah. You know, uh, some people might look at the concept of divine purpose or cosmic blueprint and feel that life is somehow predestined. Is there any element of predestination in God's unique plan for us? Well, we do have a destiny.
3: As Mrs. Prophet mentioned, we were created with a divine plan and a destiny. But the key is, are we going to choose to fulfill it? Because of free will, we don't have to. God has given us that free will. If we choose to be that which he wants us to be and has planned for us, then yes, it is destined. Mm -hmm. But we still have to walk the walk and walk (laughs) the path to get there. It is not automatic.
2: Well, is there a, a, a limit to the number of opportunities we have to fulfill our unique purpose for being? Well, there is.
3: And remember that God respects free will as the most important law of cosmos. And there are people unfortunately that have chosen not to become God, not to walk the path they have chosen that he has chosen for them, the fallen angels, for example mm-hmm. and there does come a time when you repudiate and reject God and the path enough, God will honor that request, and your opportunity will come to an end
2: you know i um not that you 're implying this, but it does seem at times as if um, we we go through a period uh, like I think was, we've referred to it as the dark night of the soul, where it feels almost as if we 've been Uh, abandoned or left alone um is there any instance or situation in which our christ or buddha selves might abandon us really well
3: if you study the lives of the saints saint john of the cross is the perfect example of this he coined the phrase the dark night of the spirit and the dark night of the soul and literally this is a time of testing when god does seemingly withdraw from you i mean jesus on the cross said my god my god why have you forsaken me Um, this is the Son of God. This is the Christ in manifestation. How could that happen? It is because God, at a certain time, will go behind a cloud, so to speak, and we will t- be tested on what we have attained in our being, what we have manifested as the presence of God. And so that doesn't mean God has truly really abandoned you. It means that God is seeing how you can stand on your own and what light you have truly um, become mm-hmm. instead of what light you believe in.
2: Well, um, maybe a, a corollary to this, too, in terms of... Um the light that that we are receiving, and also goes into the sense of worth, worthiness and um, forgiveness of whatever our you know human density, are all who seek forgiveness granted it, or is there is there something a wayward soul must do to achieve you know, atonement and be returned to the circle of God?
3: The opportunity for forgiveness is virtually unlimited for the sincere and the devout, even the fallen angels can can turn to God, confess their sins, and be forgiven, which means not that their sins and their karma go away, but they have the opportunity to balance that karma. And there have been some fallen angels that have come back, um, have, they have decided to, to turn back again and pursue God. So there, there's always opportunity. Where there's life, there is opportunity. But obviously, forgiveness must be sincere. We can't, you know, sin in the morning and ask for forgiveness at night as part of our routine every day. <laughs> and so, you know, <inaudible> it has to be, that doesn't mean we won't repeat our errors, because we do do that. But as long as we're sincere and strive and are willing to balance the karma that we made, then forgiveness is still there. And, you know, I want to add something to this, Tom, and that mm-hmm. is it's such a key point. We have to be willing to forgive ourselves. And for some people, that's a lot harder than forgiving others.
2: Uh, I've, I resemble that remark. Okay. Yeah, uh, you, you mentioned a moment ago um, about the fallen angels and the fact that they all have opportunity to bend the knee. And you also said that there have been some. And I su- suspect that the number is small. Yeah. How many were? well, I mean, I, we may not know this number ever, but an estimation of the actual number of angels that fell and the number of that have returned. Well, doesn't it say a third of heaven, I think? It's, um, um, tens, hundreds of millions. I mean, we're talking about I, a lot. I, I don't know the answer
3: to that, how many yeah. angels are in heaven, but that's a lot. Let's it's put a a lot. it that way. And the problem is angels are followers. And so when their leaders fell, a lot of them just went along with them, yeah. unfortunately. And of course, I don't know how many have come back, but I unfortunately, I don't think it's been a large number.
2: Well, um, speaking of getting on track, back to the light, you know, what are some of the ways that we'll know that we're on the right track in in terms of our own unique divine blueprint? Well, you start with what's in front of you. And, you know, we may have an ultimate
3: destiny fulfill something, but we may have a certain chunk of karma we have to balance to get there. So again, Mrs. Prophet mentioned her passion. What is your passion? What do you feel drawn to as part of a divine plan? It may be your ultimate divine plan, or it may be something you have to achieve in this life to balance a certain karma, to balance your threefold flame. But be attuned to where your heart leads you, and your heart will never lead you any place where it causes harm to others Um, But it will lead you to the place where not only can you fulfill whatever your divine plan is for this embodiment or maybe your ultimate divine plan, but also you balance your karma. Because you can't make your ascension without balancing your karma, even if you fulfill your divine plan.
2: Yeah. Um, I think we understand that cosmic law is pretty much immutable. um, So the idea that there could be exceptions to cosmic law is maybe antithetical. But I'm wondering that while we understand that we would never, never be required to do anything wrong harmful or illegal in accomplishing our unique life purpose. What if we're asked to defend ourselves or our family or our country, which may require taking the life of another? What then? Well,
3: the Ascended Masters teach that we have the right to defend ourselves if we are attacked. And the Ascended Masters are not pacifist. So, life must be defended. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's a very clear case, but sometimes it isn't. And that's where it gets difficult. And as we talked before, those that commit that kill others in war, it's a very different karma than killing someone in an act of passion or or premeditation and so forth. Because there are times, because there are forces of darkness abound, when we must take the stand. What if people had not responded to Hitler and taken the stand? I mean, God only knows what would have happened to this planet. So, and, And then the other side of that coin is you can't overreact. If someone, you know you know, steals the flowers out of your garden, you can't shoot them, you know? <laughs> I mean, you will make karma if you do that. My
2: grandma might take issue with that. So,
3: so anyway, you know, it, it takes attunement, but know that life must be defended, and we can't be passive in the face of evil.
2: Well, in that same vein, you know, what if we're prompted to take a stand, um, well, for the life of the unborn, for example, and that stand requires us to break the law? I mean, how should we handle a situation like that?
3: The Ascended Masters tell us that we need to obey the laws of the land. They would never support breaking those laws. Mm-hmm. Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. But that doesn't mean, and certainly in this country, we don't have a lot of opportunity to take a stand, to give our prayers, our decrees, to gather, to to help people in whatever way we can, and in the political environment to, to, to try and effect change.
2: Wow. So much, so much to consider here. Um, you know, I'm going to change the topic just a little bit here. Um, often, you know, whether we know it or not, we are involved in karmic situations in which we must repay a debt to life. Isn't it possible that our life's purpose may be to do just this—repay a karmic debt?
3: Well, it, it's you know, it's job one, as they say at Ford Motor Company. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes our spiritual progress is blocked because we haven't balanced a certain portion of karma. Mm-hmm. So the quicker we can get through that karma, the quicker we can get on to our greater spiritual progress and getting home.
2: I think sometimes people get themselves really entangled in karmic situations that they have created in this life. And unfortunately, it tends to postpone those that they've been, maybe they've come here to. You know, the one advice
3: I think the master would give is don't dodge your karma. Yeah. (laughs) With God's help, stand, face, and conquer.
2: You know, we've heard that expression before about uh, the fallen ones are very adept at dodging karma but there's a point where they can't dodge it forever
3: that's right when the the day of accountability comes and it's a mercy that our karma comes to us in increments and not all at once which (laughs) will happen to the fallen angels
2: well again topic for another show but i just wanted to maybe address that point that jesus um in his incredible attainment and selfless service to humanity basically held our karma in abeyance until we are able to handle it ourselves. He didn't just come here and, and absolve it. Us exactly. Of it.
3: He gave us 2,000 years, and some of us are a little behind, but this is our <laughs> chance to
2: make up for it. Okay. Well, I think we've got to take a break here, but don't go away, please. When we return, we will continue our discussion of our innate divinity, our karmic circumstance, our cosmic blueprint, and many other things with Sidney Bennett.
0: The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. On the spiritual quest, our upward
1: journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better, no matter where you are or who you're with. The power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? follow the ascended masters these great saints and sages of east and west have walked where you walk they are committed to helping you to find your way home and their teachings are always practical our goal on the open door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty the open door is live every tuesday at 11 a.m pacific 2 p.m. Eastern, and we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit
0: www.tsl.org. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
1: You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door.
2: And once again, we are back. Thanks for staying with us. A little more discussion with Reverend Sidney Bennett on the topic of karma. In our last segment, we got a bit into that subject. And, of course, this leads inevitably, or if it didn't, we would lead you there anyway, (laughs) to the subject of reincarnation. Now, how would you tie the subject of why we're here and realizing our divine potential with reincarnation? Well,
3: obviously, karma and reincarnation go hand in hand for the very simple reason that none of us could possibly do and learn everything in one embodiment. I mean, look around you. It just doesn't happen. And so we need many embodiments to gain that mastery and many embodiments to balance the karma. At least that is the way it has been. But what has happened now in this last part of the, you know, the beginning of the Aquarian age, the end of the Piscean age, there's an open window and an open door. <clears throat> and because of the teachings on the violet flame and the use of the science of the spoken word, we don't have to take a hundred thousand lifetimes to balance our karma or a million years, which is what many Hindus believe. What's the hurry? I'm going to be around here for a long time anyway. <laughs> oh, but years. we have given an opportunity to balance our karma. Now, what happens is, for many of us that this, hopefully, it may be our divine plan to be our last embodiment. And so what happens is, we're hitting the drakes. We're going down, and, and as we work <laughs> in our lifetime to balance this karma, the violet flame, and other things, we're hitting some very core issues in our life streams. And they're hard, and they're very hard. So it seems like, you know, God, I, I, I'm doing my best spiritually, and all I see is my karma and these problems in front of me, but we don't see the totality of our being. We don't see all the good karma that we've accomplished. We don't see everything we've done for God and for others and other embodiments because that's not the point. The point is to get through this other stuff so then we can put on that Christhood, put on that immortality. And for many of us, it's a mercy and a grace that we've been given many, many, many embodiments because I remember the masters taught once, for some people, if they learn one new idea and embodiment, is considered a successful embodiment. <laughs> well, we've been around a long time, and it is time to accelerate. Yeah. and we can do that through the use of the vital flame and the teachings of the masters.
2: Well, you mentioned the dregs a moment ago, and vital flame is a great way to um, clean up and dissolve the dregs, isn't it?
3: Indeed, and and for those of us that you know, you know, you, you try and keep your perspective on this path, and realize to you keep your eyes on the goal, to keep on keeping on, and do what God has taught us and what the masters have taught us, and that will get us home. You mm-hmm. know, what comes to us is not coincidence, is not chance. It is what God knows we need to deal with. It's a karma we need to balance. It's a master we need to gain. That's what God will bring to you when you commit yourself to the will of God and the path that God has ordained for you. Why be tossed and turned like a ship in a storm? Yeah. You know, and that's what happens to most of us in life. Why not say, God, I am committed to you. I'm committed to the will of God. I'm committed to taking accountability for my actions and this and other embodiments. I'm going to do what you have taught me to do to balance that karma and to serve life. And when that happens, it's a whole new world for you. A
2: whole new ball, because yes.
3: suddenly God is there closer than you even realize and helping you. God you know, loves us so intensely that he really wants us home. And he'll do whatever is necessary if we're willing to get us home. And we just have to hold on and do our part and we'll get there.
2: Yeah, and I think what you were talking about a moment ago, too, uh, would seem to answer the question of why do certain things happen to me? Um, you know, but it brings to mind even a broader question. In light of karma and reincarnation, is it possible that there's really no injustice in the world? Well, I
3: think you have to look at this from two perspectives. The first is, with God, there can be no injustice because that's a you know a contradiction. God, there can be no injustice in God. However, because of free will, individuals have caused injustice in the physical plane, and so you we seemingly see injustice, but no, when you are serving God. That God will not allow anything to come to you that either is not your karma you need to balance or a test you need to pass. And so um, we understand that injustice and evil, for instance, are not real, but they have a manifestation mm-hmm. in the physical plane because of people's free will.
2: It's a tricky kind of concept. It is. Right? Isn't it? Yeah. Right. Ultimately,
3: it'll be gone. Ultimately, there will be no evil and no injustice in the universe because they're not real,
2: it has no power. Well, you know, if everything we experience is a result of our karma, then it would seem appropriate to say thank you to whatever comes to us in our lives, right? (laughs) Absolutely.
3: (laughs) Sounds easy, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. You know, as we go on the spiritual (laughs) path and we come up higher, as I mentioned, we'll be be facing tougher things and tougher initiations. Mm -hmm. Even the dark night of the soul. I mean, you know, God, where are you? I've been serving you all my life. I do everything you ask me to do, and all of a sudden you're gone. You know, so we have to understand that we are human that we do experience pain, that some of these are struggles, but we have to ultimately understand that when you're on the path of the ascension and giving yourself to God, nothing will come to you that is not ordained by God or that he allows for you to be tested with. Now, that doesn't mean that other people don't have free will and can't try and do things to you, and that's where we must defend life and defend you know, what we believe in and the truth. So it's kind of a, a balancing act, but realize that, um, you know, there is a purpose, you know, be thankful for all things. Yeah. And, you know, it takes work sometimes, but when you understand God is working with you and you feel that, you know it has a purpose and a reason. And a good example of this, I mean, how many people do we all know that have gone through a, you know, a cancer or, oh. or, or a loss of, of grievous proportions or a, a disabled child or something like that? And, and initially the shock is tremendous and the loss is great, but ultimately they say, you know, in some ways this was the best thing that could have happened to me.
2: Well, I'm reminded of a, a, a precept. I, I'm not sure how old I was when I first heard it, but it was an amazing, amazing idea for me to kind of get in my own consciousness, and that was, if you don't like what's going on, change your mind. And it had to do with how I or we choose to perceive an experience. We always have that free will choice to decide to say, oh, this is terrible, or, oh, well, this may be bad, might not feel good, but it's an opportunity to learn. So saying thank you or being grateful is a choice we make. We don't automatically... Say thanks for all the stuff right. that comes our way, right. but at a certain point, as you said, we get there.
3: You'll never forget. Once I was at lunch one day, when uh, many years ago I was working, and there was a group of, uh, you know, uh, disabled children, uh, retarded children, you know, obviously with with many challenges, and they were there with their parents, and it was a group outing, and I watched them for a minute, and I saw the love mm-hmm. in the presence of the parents that was so extraordinary, that I have to believe that love would not have been present present had they not been blessed with that child. And and this goes back to the whole concept of, you know, many of these souls choose to take these forms, whether they die young or whether they are retarded or whatever, they choose that because it's a tremendous karma balancing opportunity for them. Mm -hmm. And they need to be honored and not aborted, I would say. And the second is that sometimes great souls of light come forth and take the form of an autistic or a retarded child or whatever to bear the weight and the karma of the world. And these sacrifices need to be honored. These children need to be cared for. They are of God, and they need to be cared for and helped. And they bring, they bring tremendous blessings if we are willing to work with it.
2: You know, you reminded me of a situation I was in not long ago. I used to volunteer for the Special Olympics. And at one point, I was asked to um, very sweetly and kindly, they said, Would you, could we ask you to maybe work in another area of this whole thing? I said, well, why? I said, well, you're in tears half the time. And you, the, the kids are feeling uncomfortable, and I was reading my own soul at that moment. I was, I was, oh my gosh! They're so without pretension. Their joy is so genuine. Yeah. The, there is no, just no pretense of any kind. I mean, these were just pure beings, and they were so loving, and they didn't care whether they were first or tenth. It just didn't matter. They were there. They were alive, and I just, it just hit me. It went right through my defenses, and I thought to myself, I'm, I'm such a mechanical human in many ways that I've constructed this whole, you know, edifice around me. <laughs> And here they are breaking, breaking it down, and I can't – my emotions just come on my sleeve. Who has anyway. the real attainment, right? Oh, gosh. I just thought, man, these are teaching me. So I, anyway, I learned. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this opportunity to be around people who were just so genuine and pure. Well, anyway, um, <laughs> kind of back, back on track here. Would you agree that a really sound and useful spiritual practice would be to embrace whatever we experience in our lives with grace as well as the gratitude? Well, obviously, that's the goal. But, you know, that doesn't mean you're passive. And you're not passive because, for instance,
3: part of our daily spiritual practices, you know, every morning is, you know, there's a bag of karma that comes to our, our doorstep. <laughs> Whatever we, Whether we like it or not, it's there. It's the yeah. cosmic law. It's the cosmic cycle. So we take that, and the morning we give our calls to Archangel Michael for our protection of ourselves and our family, our nation, and so forth. We also do violet flame. And that will balance a a lot of that karma. And you can mitigate, you know, or, or, you know, something you may have had to have a major car accident would have caused, maybe you have a fender bender, you know. So we're not passive in the face of karma, but we do accept with grace those things that God really wants to teach us. And some of them are hard because if we want to get home, we've got to be stripped of a portion of this human consciousness. And some of the stuff does not go easily. And when God takes it, we have to be willing to let it go and be grateful at the same time.
2: Well, and something you mentioned to me before our show today, um, we were talking about the fact that we're not always just striving for ourselves. There might be other life streams involved, and I'm thinking specifically now of our twin flame. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you want to say something about twin <laughs> well, flame? sure. And I think you realize that you know
3: sometimes our twin flames. This is the soul that was created out of the same divine oneness, so to speak, at the time we were created, and is the ultimate part of our our reality and which we always strive for, and we feel that we enter a being, we have someone that's the other half of us someplace. You know, they may be embodiment. They may be ascended masters already, or they may be in very difficult situations, and what we do can affect them. And so this is not just for us, but if you have a a longing in your heart and your soul, you know there's someone out there that God created with you and is to be destined to spend eternity with you, what you do affects them, whether they're in your world physically now or not. They may be in embodiment, out of embodiment, on the other side of the world, an ascended master, or in dire trouble. What you do affects them as well.
2: Well, you said that they might be in heaven or are already ascended master, so I'm, this question may be already answered, but do we have to complete some work together with our twin flame before either of us can ascend?
3: Well, that is part of our divine destiny, and sometimes once one half of the, the two of the twin flame will ascend so that there can be a polarity between heaven and earth. And we can work; they work together that way. So, and the other thing, of course, is even though they're twin flames, each soul has their own free will. Yeah. And so, one half of the twin flame can choose not to be, and <laughs> the other half obviously can, and they can make to heaven.
2: Wow! Wow! Well, more on that later. You know, um, back at, at, to this um, life's challenges and karma. In terms of dealing with our life challenges, you know, we have a saying. The masters have a saying: May we pass all our tests. Uh, Is it true that our tests will keep coming to us until we pass them? Well,
3: (laughs) God has a right to test us, and we have a right to be tested. You know, Earth is a schoolroom. We're not here just to enjoy ourselves in the planes of matter. We're here to learn our lessons. And like any school uh, attendee or any college attendee, you get tests, and God will test us. And we have to recognize that. But we, in many cases, we can't progress without those tests. Yeah. If God gave us unlimited power of his presence with us right now, I mean, we'd probably destroy the planet. <laughs> so God doesn't do that. It's not so funny. He, he, he will give us tests and we will pass the tests a, a certain number of times and prove that we will not be moved, that we can make the proper use of his energy. He will increase the light in our beings and our world yeah. and we'll be that much closer to God. And we can do so much more for the planet. The more light we can hold, the more we can help others. So that's why testing is so important. What we forget sometimes is we don't recognize their tests. We think, oh, you know, well, what's what's the matter with me? I never seem to have it easy. Well, if you want easy, this is not the way. (laughs) But if you want to be one with God and make your ascension, have the joy of being with God and fulfilling your divine purpose, then this path will come to you, and part of that path, or when you embrace that path,
2: will be tests. Welcome them. Say thank you. Right? Amen. Amen. Well, this might be an easy one to answer, but I'll just kind of mention it anyway, because I think it bears repeating that the life we experience is the life we've chosen. And the challenges we face, the tests we hope to pass, they've all come about as a result of choice, of free will. Now that we know that, can we speed up the process of undoing our negative karma? Right. You know, once we take
3: accountability and say, whoa, I don't know what I've done, but I'm going to take accountability for it because that's the law of the universe. Now what do I do, God? (laughs) <laughs> well, you do your good works, you embody love, you help others, you serve life, and you use the violet flame, which is an acceleration of light in your world and into your karma to balance it, to repolarize it, to change it. You literally land, literally can change history by repolarizing the energy and raising it up again. It's there it's the opportunity. We have to use it if it's going to work. Just having an intellectual knowledge doesn't do anybody any good. We, this is why we so encourage you to experiment, to try it. Go to our website. Find the Violet Flame Decrees, the YouTubes, teachings on it. Understand what it is. Use your visualization and see yourself unfold in a forgiveness and violet flame. And while you're doing that, see the world there too and things will change.
2: Wow. Well, on that note, another hour has just flown by. We've got to wrap this up. I want to say thank you, Sid, again, as always, for your clarity and wisdom. And it's always a pleasure to have you with us, particularly in these last couple of weeks when it's just been you and me. It's been fun. (laughs) Yeah. So and we want to thank all of you for joining us today, as always. And again, remind you that if you've got an idea, you've got some feedback or anything, send it to webradio at tsl.org. Webradio at tsl.org. Before we sign off, we have just a moment. Sid, do you have a quick prayer? I do. Dear God in heaven, please show us the
3: way we should go, each one of us, not just today, but tomorrow. What is our next step on our return home to you? In the name of the Christ, we ask this. Amen.
2: Amen. And remember, though the upward path may be difficult, the rewards are out Out of this this world. world. Thanks, everyone.
1: Thank you again for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.